welcome back to the second Writing the Rapids rejoinder. We have another Mike, Mike Klein this time. We're talking about burn-in oceans, out on surfaces, and a whole lot more. This half-sized episode turned almost into a full-length episode just because that's the type of guy Mike is, and I find it pretty wonderful. These episodes happen because of the people who give me money on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash noisemakerjoe. If you want to get the early episodes and the extra writing and things like that, patreon.com slash noisemakerjoe. If you'd like to support me on a one-time basis, you can do so at paypal.me slash noisemakerjoe. Or if you want to support me in a more artistic way, you can buy my book. It's Tired. It's called Tired. It's a surreal coming-of-age tale. It's out on Alien Buddha Press. You can find it on Amazon. There's links all over my Twitter, which is also noisemakerjoe. Maker Joe. I don't want to talk too much about me because this is not why we're here, so let's get into my conversation with Mike. The last time we talked, which was a while ago, um, it was right around the time that Lonely Men Club was coming out. It must have come out because I remember reading a physical copy. Um, I remember you being fatigued by it um and there hasn't been a lot of output from you uh in a literary sort of way uh really until now um were you were you actively taking a break from writing or um was the publishing lull just kind of there it was it's a it was a combination of both so Naturally, whether I like it or not, I'm always working on new uh, things. Um, but having had conversations with, so I've, I've published at several places and I keep in touch with all the publishers and having had conversations with various um, individuals in each of those um, areas, uh, it, it, there was a consensus that nobody is interested in reading new works while Trump is president. And I hate to bring up <laughs> politics. Um, this is not, of, of course, this isn't something I considered because I, I'm not interested in any of the release portion of um, when it comes to releasing something new. I just focus on making it as good as I can make it, uh, making sure the artwork is great, and then getting it out there. And then after that, it sort of does its own thing. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it on Twitter, but other than that, it's it's, it's up to the publishers. Um, but yeah, so it was basically this uh, agreement that, you know, everyone is focused on Trump and what he's doing and what he's not doing. Um, artistic um, interests have dwindled uh, and people are just tired of all that. So I said, okay, I understand. Not that I was trying to push something out, but it was just, I, I, I was asked, do you have anything new that you'd like to do? And if you do, uh, let us know, and we'll give you a timeline. And I said, no, not really. Um, and then I was told, well, here, in case you were, here's what's going on with us. And everyone had this sort of, sort of the same conversation with me. Um, but at the same time, yes, Lonely Men Club was, um, it was a great and horrible experience because it was something I'd never done. And that was the reason why I did it because I knew that uh, it was something I would never do otherwise unless I was sort of forced to do it. Um, but then I sort of pushed myself beyond a point where I probably should have. And after the fact, um, there was a lot of it that I don't remember the process of writing it. Um, and even looking back now and, and looking at the text that I don't remember most of it, which I guess is part of the point. Um, but I'm generally a person who likes to spend a long time on small portions of a text whereas this was the complete opposite and you know the idea was just to get all this out meeting that 100,000 word um, limit deadline uh, in five days and then whatever comes out comes out and that was the challenge I'm glad I did it um, but it's just not me and um, yeah mentally physically even and just creatively it destroyed me and uh, the um, the 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 um, the person who runs inside the castle 
uh, John actually, uh, I had conversations in real life with him and over uh, I am and over the phone and via text about this. And uh, at first I thought I was joking, but then with time, he asked me the same question you're asking me right now. You know, I don't see you talking about or doing new things, what's going on. And I just kept saying, I'm really tired because of Lonely Men Club. So then he took it seriously and he kept checking in on me saying, are you, are you going to be okay? And um, I kept telling myself I would, um, but it took a while. Um, I would say it was maybe, let's see here where we're in 2021 right now. It was maybe the right before COVID hit last year. That's when I started being able to follow a sort of writing schedule again. Um, and then as COVID happened for people who were working in an office, they were sent home and they were able to, you know, work from home and all of that shift, you know, affected me somewhat as well. So it was different and I had to focus on all that. And right as COVID was happening, I was also moving oh. to a new place. So that, yeah, that was very interesting. Um, and that took longer than it needed to. But once that was done and things settled and I got into the new routine, I realized, hey, you know, Trump is about to end soon here. So I can actually not have to focus on that anymore because I, for being a not very political person, I also had, you know, paid attention to a little bit of that. But now that that's all over, uh, it's a new era, as everyone's saying. And um, yeah, Burning Oceans came out. There's the new book with Dan that's coming out. There's a couple other things that are actually going to be happening soon that I haven't talked about yet. Um, and I just think that it was, um, you could say it was a necessary break because I also don't want to be the type of person who's releasing something new every three months because no no one no one keeps up with that regardless of who you are. Uh, you kind of have, you have to have a sort of quality check there. Um, so um, we're going to use a term we used previously, perfect storm. I think the, 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 um, the way uh, Lonely Men Club affected me could not have come at a better time because it was right when I needed to take a break creatively, mentally, and physically, and it forced me to do that. And, of course, during that break, I was you know, consuming a lot of media, whether it was written musically, um, and I know that all of that has been absorbed now and some of it has come out in Burning Oceans, but it's also coming out in a lot of different uh, things I'm working on, which I really appreciate. And I know that there's a media where I have to let it simmer and then it sort of just manifests, manifests itself. So right now we're in that phase where all of this is coming out of me and I'm finally able to decide how I'm going to, you know, release all this knowledge that I've acquired over the years. <laughs> So, so to to dial in on burning oceans, the first thing I I really noticed when I when I read it, and then when my wife read it to me while we were driving in the car, and then taking a step back to look at the other works of yours that I've read, burning oceans is like like a distilled Mike Klein. Um, I've talked to to other people about your tweet about how you take a ten thousand word text and and cut it down to like a thousand and a half words, um, but this like it's very it's very like richly you, um, and there's there's things in here that that I haven't seen you do before, um, like yeah, uh, sick. Or, like, you have stuff in brackets, you have, like, stage directions, which I suppose I have seen because I've read your play. Um, and you have, like, uh, 
stuff that's reminiscent of code at the beginning. Uh, so it reads like almost like a spec script of sorts uh, mixed with something entirely different. Um, what was the, was there like a philosophy behind Burning Oceans or were you, is this just like the new and improved you've come out of the cave with blonde hair and glowing eyes sort of thing? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the, the boring answer is that, um, yeah, the, the, there was that, there was a thought process behind all of that. Um, so over the years, uh, and you probably, you, you probably will realize this once I mention it, I don't have a lot of stuff online, whether it's original short pieces or uh, what is it? Flash fiction that people write because, you know, as you probably already know, you know, probably better than, than I do. Every single day, there's, you know, 400 online um, magazines that publish 20 different short stories or poems. And every day, somebody has something new that's been published, which is great. That didn't really exist when I had started writing. So it was never something I tried to do. I, I just had this mentality that when you do something, it's long form, you're going to spend months, years on it. And then when it's ready, it's ready to go. There was no sort of urgency. I wasn't, you know, trying to stay relevant, as they say. So, um, People have asked me over the years, you know, I want to read your stuff, but A, I can't afford it because I don't, you know, I can't pay $12 for a book, which I completely understand. Um, and also it's, it, what if you don't like it? You know, you're still spending $12 plus shipping wherever you're getting it from. So absolutely, that's a risk that, you know, I wouldn't want to take unless I was sure. Um, others have said they prefer reading online only, uh, Kindle or e-digital, e whatever. And um, very few of my texts are available via Kindle. They were for a while. There was an issue. I don't know any of that stuff. So it's <laughs> been it's been unavailable uh digitally forever the only one that you can get right now is uh canley stubrick but that'll be fixed later everything will be available eventually and um the third thing is people said they just prefer reading shorter things they don't have the time um to read a 100 page book or 200 page book which again i completely agree with and understand um so then dale brett um the other person now who runs uh surf surfaces with mika or micah um I had, uh, I've, I'd always been a fan of surfaces. Um, I'd always had ideas of what I wanted to write for surfaces, but I, I don't like the impermanence of online literature journals because uh, there were two things I wrote uh, years ago. It was either, it was sometime between 2010 and 2014, I'd written two things and they were, they were accepted at these, um, these journals and they were published. But then those, of course, those journals expired, they disappeared. And I, you know, I've lost three computers since then, so I didn't save any of that stuff. I'm sure they're in emails somewhere, but basically I can't even access my own stuff, which kind of angers me, not because it has nothing to do with the presses. I mean, things happen, things go away, but it just gives, it, it reminds me of streaming services and downloading video games these days, how nobody is interested in owning physical media anymore. It's this whole idea that, oh, this is on Netflix, I'll watch it. And then next month they lost the rights to this film, so you actually can't watch it unless you go subscribe to Disney Plus or Apple Plus. And I really have a huge issue with that because... Um, it's basically you giving your money away for free um, and these companies do whatever. Um, so if people follow my Twitter, they see that I always post pictures of records that I buy, these cassettes that I buy once a month or VHS tapes that I know don't exist on DVD that I buy because I see them at a thrift store or Blu-rays that I buy just because I want to have that film and I want to be able to watch it on my time. Um, so all of that ties into this idea that I wanted to finally create something to show to put online and I wanted to create it specifically for someone so I reached out to surfaces and said here's my idea this is what I want to do here's my set here's my deadline I want to have it done by then what do you all think and they said great just do it 
Um, so I did that. And, and I say it was written specifically for surfaces in the document, which is true. Um, and I wanted to make it seem, I wanted to just make it go to another level where it wasn't just something that I wrote that was in a Word document that was pasted on a website. So that's why I, fo I focused on the, the look of it, the layout, the PDF, um, the way how, how it's two pages per page. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to see if I could do something like that because I had no idea what I was going to do until I reached out to them and they liked the idea. And I also had this whole idea in my head that, you know, a week before it comes out, I'd make a trailer for it every single day with music that I worked on. That was fun. Um, so I'm glad I was able to do it. Um, and all those ideas I spent a long time on, um, longer than I probably should have. And I'm talking about the ideas that are in the text, things that you said, how I have the brackets and the stage direction. Um, but uh, it was also my way of just giving back to all those people who've asked me over the years, I want to read your stuff, but I can't. So I said, well, so this is basically me saying, here you go. Um, and I'm not uh, going to you know, overstay my welcome. So the abbreviated format of it, where you said it seems like a distilled version, that's absolutely correct because it takes all the things that I've done up to this point and sort of uh, streamlines it so that you could read it in, I don't know, depending on how fast you read, 10 minutes or less, which is what I've been told it takes to read it. Um, and it's also, I guess this was like an inverse challenge for me compared to Lonely Men Club. Instead of 100,000 words, it was what can I do in 1.5K words um, and how could I make it look like it's something I've done myself? So I'm really glad I was able to do this for all those reasons. And I mean, it's been, it was so, it was such a good experience that I, I'm actually considering doing something else um, similar for another place, but I haven't reached out to them yet and they have no idea that I'm going to ask them. <laughs> um, but uh, it's this whole idea of cu curating things. I, and I don't want to make it seem like it's, you know, oh, I'm better than just submitting something and having it put on the regular page. It's not, it's nothing like that. It's, it's, it really is just my personal uh, disdain for um, impermanent media. And that really has to do with the streaming of music and movies. And I really am against that. And I don't want that to transfer to the um, literature side, which it seems it is. So I'm trying to sort of have my own way of pushing back against that. And by that, I'm not telling anyone else what to do or how to do it. I just want to do my own thing and sort of say, hey, there's this other way of doing these things. What do you all think? And that's pretty much what how Burning Oceans came up. Um, just as a from a product standpoint. Now, as far as the specific elements within the story, you know, I can hold off on that. And if we want to talk about that later, we can. But yeah, just from a um, consumption standpoint, that that was my thought process. Hmm. I, I, I do want to move into to the, the content. I, I think it's interesting. Um, the the idea of you wanting physical media more and more um, with regard to this the sort of cli-fi nature of of the piece yeah and <laughs> um like i don't know like i i can see like i definitely have that conflict in me especially when it comes to film um i have no problem buying books i'll buy books all day um but like buying blu-rays or, or dvds or whatever is so like it's kind of cringy to me because it's just like a lot of plastic and mm -hmm. so it's a responsibility that like i need to if i'm gonna buy this movie i need to watch it and enjoy it multiple times and like take care of of it like oh, absolutely like i gotta make sure that that my criterion collection the lighthouse blu-rays like not getting scuffed up and 
<laughs> nothing like that um well, yeah yeah absolutely but yeah let's let's dig into into the text um i had uh as i was walking up the stairs to my office i had the uh this book is mad max if young thug directed it sort of uh <laughs> amalgamation in my brain and i'll i'll let you t- pick it up from there okay all right uh let me see. are you still able to hear me i think i did i drop off we are all good okay perfect i, I want to check just to make sure um yeah um i guess the, with this text i mean just to put it bluntly what i was trying to explore here was the idea of free will um coupled with the idea of the self like what does that all mean um for people who've read my previous texts this is this is a sort of a continuation of Arafat Mountain, my second book, which essentially starts off with a helicopter and there's a group of people um, and they all have very generic names. Uh, Dan, Susan, David, Joe, Mike, um, and they jump out of the helicopter and some of them make it, some of them don't. And then some those who don't make it, they're just, you know, forgotten. There's no there's no um, discussion of how they die. There's brief mention of it, but it doesn't really go in great detail. And then the ones who do make it, who land on the ground, um, you know, they, fantastical things start happening. So, one, for example, one of them gets in a Ferrari for some reason. There's a Ferrari on a cliff. Uh, they get in there and they start driving towards a castle. And uh, one of the Ferraris ends up falling off the side of the cliff. So that group dies and it starts – it's like a camera that just jumps from – group to group to character to character. Um, and what happens is throughout the text, uh, sometimes that person that is being followed ends up dying. So then it j- sort of just jumps to the next person and they might be, you know, 20 miles that way on the island, but it's all happening on this island. And there are portions that where it, go, it goes into the past of the island and then it goes in the future of the island. Um, but it just jumps from character to character to character and you never really know what's about to happen. So. Burning Oceans is a continuation in the sense that it it, it sort of tor- it, it tries to grab that particular mood and atmosphere from Arafat Mountain. Um, it's clearly not the same characters because in Burning Oceans they have first and last names, and their first and last names also have a different implication than what was going on in Arafat Mountain. But it's that sort of mood and feel from um, Arafat Mountain. And uh, the, the thing that was that was happening is uh, you know you mentioned it going from 10,000 words to one and a half thousand words. And I had, I think, 25,000 words at some point. And the whole idea is how, how much, how can I say um, as much as I can about this place and the inhabitants and what's going on um, in as few words as possible. So in basically each sentence is, has the same, um, has the same uh, depth as a paragraph would in a normal book. And I, I know that sounds, weird to say that um but that's really what i was trying to do with that um and you said it's like mad max uh directed by young thug i would i would completely agree with that only because whenever i'm writing and i think i mentioned this to you back when we had our when you interviewed me the first time um when i was cut cutting in and out um so it may not have come come in at that time but um whenever i'm writing something i try to leave it as open-ended as possible while still saying what i wanted to say and when you say things like um you know it's like mad max um, directed by Young Thug. I like that because whether or not I had that idea when I was writing it doesn't matter. Your experiences in your life are going to not only inform 
me right now in the present when I hear how this affected you, but it'll also help me with what I'm going to do next. Because like I said before, absorbing media and, um, you know, just watching movies, listening to music, reading books, I take all of that and take the things I remember from all that information and then try to do things in my own work that I liked or didn't like from those pieces. So when you tell me what you said, um, Mad Max directed by Young Thug is the exact same thing for me. I take that and I go back in the piece later and look and look look for those elements that may that might have made you think that. And then I'll just sit there in the dark nodding going, yeah, I, I totally see that. Um, so that's why I'm always interested in having conversations with people who have read the work, who want to have those conversations, um, because it's not. Um, and people are going to disagree with this statement, but I don't feel that it is my job to tell you what you should have gotten from the text. Um, it's it really is something that's just there. And then I want you to sort of infuse it with whatever understanding you have of it. Uh, another way of putting it is I want to put as little of me as possible in anything that I write, because I don't want anything that I am to affect the text. Some people love that, but I don't want the fact that I'm a male or that my last name is Klein or that I live in this part of the United States. I don't want any of that have to do anything with the text. Um, so that's why I sort of write the way I do. So when you say what you said, again, and I've repeated this five times, Young um, Mad Max directed by Young Thug, that's the greatest compliment ever. So thank you for saying that. Hmm. You're welcome. So I like that a lot. I like that answer an awful lot. I feel like that um, that's definitely different, like, diametrically opposed to how I how I write um and I think I think it's kind of a unique way to try to strip yourself from the writing and I like the the relationship that you then have with the text afterward where you go back after someone talks about it to like pick from it uh I feel like that's just probably a useful tool that for whatever reason I haven't considered doing um and that kind yeah. of all wraps around with a question I have been trying to figure out how to ask about, like, um, like, do you feel self-conscious as you write? Another thing that you said a, a long time ago on Twitter, I think, was that, like, all of your books are in the same universe. And so, yeah, there, there's a curiosity about how you maintain um the very distinctive voice that you have yeah that's a that's a that's a great topic or a great point there um yeah so for anyone who's curious enough who you know delves back into either my first book or bo a book i released four years ago i have i have said on record that they're all in the same universe and um you know that raises a bunch of questions where you know, if you're thinking about films or other media that state that says the same thing, you know, this is all happening in the same universe. It it brings up problems where the reader might think, well, I have to now I have to follow, you know, is this book number four or is this book number three? Which one is it? It's and the thing with, with that as well, you know, again, me trying to you know change everything, do things my own way. Um, it has nothing to do with that. It's all circular. Whether you start with Vernon um, Oceans and you work your way back to the very first book, Mastodon Farm or you just pick up in the middle. It doesn't matter. Um, it is all linked, um, but it's also not one of those instances where 
I try to tell this grand story that's going to take 20 books and I'm, you know, I'm on, I'm only on book, you know, five and I'm working on 15 more. No, it's nothing like that because I, I don't like doing that because things change all the time. And who I was in 2012 when Mastodon Farm is not who I am today. Uh, so there's no reason to set, uh, so, you know, restrictions like that. Um, but for me, it's more the idea that, uh, that the characters in all of my books and all of my, I guess, short stories or pieces like Burning Oceans, whatever um, length it is, they all they all try to answer the sort of question of about time and space and what the bot what a body means, like you know, the 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 vessel that is the body. And I know that that's a question that nobody has an answer to, but um, it's it's more in the sense that uh, I, I'll use Canley Stuberk as an example where. The main character is wa- is not just walking around, but driving around, flying around, you know, swimming around, looking for their significant other. But then if you pay attention, you'll notice that this character goes from dressing a certain way to speaking a certain way to doing certain things differently by the end of the book. And it's not necessarily that there's this, there's this sort of transformation that happens because of an event or a situation, but it's more the idea that I think that I don't even want to use the word humans, but I just think that the idea of, 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 you know, having a spirit inside a vessel such as us right now is and should be more fluid than it is um, today. Uh, the fact that we have all these impositions on how we should be and how we should be um, acting as humans, quote unquote, I don't like that. Um, and, and, you know, I could, I could get really deep into this, but I think that my o- the only way for me to explore this idea of mine, of, I guess I don't I, I want to use the word post-human. Because um, I think we are very quickly moving to crazy levels of advancement as far as technology goes with AI and robots and so many other things in the world. I've been trying to talk about that since the beginning with my books without, you know, hitting the reader over the head with that. But yeah, it, my focus is always on the characters, even though I never spend a great deal of time describing what a character looks like or how they talk or what they're thinking. Um, that's on purpose because I sort of want the reader, again, to get what they get out of that based on their experiences. But um, yeah, the setting is important for me, obviously, but it's really how those characters or those 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 beings um, sort of live in these worlds that exist. And I, and I, I, I used Mastodon Farm in an interview a while ago to sort of describe, because someone said, what, so what, what is this universe like? You know, It's the exact same as where we are right now, um, but it's just that little things are different. Uh, so, for example, a volcano will be going, will be erupting in the distance, but in, you know, in these universes, nobody cares because that's a normal thing. Whereas here, if a volcano is erupting, everyone freaks out and tries to get away from it. And other instances where you know someone's driving a Ferrari and they crash and they die, well, and their friends just keep driving and they don't care. That's not something you would do in our universe or our dimension, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's those little things I think that make people sort of reread the sentence because they wonder, whoa, what's going on there? This person just died a horrific death and nobody cares and it sort of just raises other questions and that's what i'm interested in asking because it's sort of you know why do we care when these things happen um when someone when somebody ends such as in a car crash does that really mean it's the end um are some of my characters reincarnations of previous characters from other books or are they future versions of their past selves all of these things are happening all the time and i don't want to say any of that in the text because then it changes the way someone looks at it and they might say oh, this is all science fiction now mm-hmm. no it's not that at all it's just that that's the stuff i'm interested in telling but instead of focusing on that i try to have that hang on the fringes of the text and i try to tell a story that seems like it's regular prose and it's following some side of some sort of arc but really 
for me, my whole interest is on those characters and how they sort of develop over time. Because some of them reappear in several of the texts, but it's never a focal point. Um, and that's, I guess, well, I call those an Easter egg. So yeah, you, you might see a character and go, oh, that's that's Dave from Mastodon Farm. Now he's in Lonely Men Club. What's he doing here? Um, and then he'll, he might, he or she might reference something they did in a previous book, which again, doesn't really affect the reading of it. But if you're aware of that, it certainly takes it to a different level and a different height. Um, and in a way you could argue that's why it takes me so long to write these things because um, you highlighted before, you know, me going back and rereading what I've written before after someone tells me something about it, not only allows me to revisit the text from a new perspective, but it also just reminds me of things that I had set in motion at that time that I wanted to continue that now, you know, now I've come to a point where I'm writing a new story or a new, um, I'm, I'm doing a new style of writing that allows me to follow that sort of timeline or that sort of arc, which is why, uh, you know, I say, I feel like Burning Oceans is a continuation of Arafat Mountain in the sense that it's these people almost, you could look at them as miniatures living on this island or existing on this island. And this island is this, this giant place that's probably bigger than the size of an island, but I call it an island. And it's, you know, it's their mini adventures. What's going on with each of them? Why is what's happening happening? And what is happening to them? Does that really matter? Is it more, is it more important to focus on them or what they're doing? And, you know, five question marks following that statement right there. Yeah. Huh. Um. Hmm. <laughs> Every once in a <laughs> while, man, someone will say something that like, it's like, oh yeah, that's why I like literature. <laughs> well, uh, that's also why people don't like my literature. Um, and by people, I mean, I don't know the, I don't want to use the word average reader, but somebody who doesn't, you know, go out of their comfort zone when they're, when they're reading, when you say, Hey, would you like to read a book? They have an understanding of what a book is supposed to do. So then when they read something that I've written, they say, Hey man, I didn't, I did not understand any of this. Um, would you care to explain any of it? And I don't like doing that necessarily, but if somebody really wants me to tell them what I was trying to do, such as, you know, right now, um, but this is different because I'm covering everything, but when it's about a specific text or a passage, I'm happy to do that for them. But um, the reason I don't like it is because then I'm afraid that what I'm going to say is going to taint their um, perspective or change what they had seen it initially because they'll think that what they thought was either stupid or completely off base because it's not. There is no right or wrong answer. But um, that's why I always hesitate when I do that because I, I want to hear what they have to say first. And most of the time people say, oh, I, I really have no idea. But they do. Everyone, you, I, everyone has some sort of interpretation, but it's just that there's that hesitation because uh, – English classes, you know, yes, you can interpret things, but unless you have that foundation and you know the rules, you can't say this or that because it doesn't make sense. Well, I'm against all that. Your intuition should matter most. And whatever you think of a text is what you should be allowed to say. And it's not not even allowed, but you should just say what you want to say. Um, and I feel that a lot of people are afraid to do that because that's what the schooling system teaches us. And even in real life, people say you, you shouldn't have an opinion about this unless you have, you know, the credentials. No, not necessarily. If I'm not getting paid to tell you about this, then I can tell you what I want and it doesn't matter. And you can disagree or agree with it. And we can have a, you know, a conversation like two adults and then we can agree to disagree. And that's something that I really stand by. And it's just, it seems to get lost a lot. Um, and I, I, I always bring that up when I'm doing, um, if I go to a live reading and I'm doing you know, questions after the reading, I always bring that up before it even starts just saying there is no such thing as a wrong question 
or a stupid statement, just say everything. And nine at times out of 10, all those um, comments that people end up making because they feel more comfortable lead to more interesting conversations. And I learn about things I never even knew existed because of those conversations, because someone will say something and then another person will jump in and say, I know what you're talking about, but have you heard about this? And I'm sitting there writing all this stuff down because I have no idea what they're talking about, but that's the point. I enjoy those topics and those conversations. Um, so yeah, what, you know, when you said, huh, I don't know, you know, that you're confused by everything I said, that's great. And I like that because it leads to, you know, you forming your own ideas based on what you know and don't know. And I don't know everything either. And I know very little of what you all know and vice versa. And that just, that cycle just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. I, I like that idea too. Uh, I feel like in the field of experimental literature, we, there's this feeling that you have to be quite well read to really get it. Um, one of the things my wife said after reading Burning Oceans was like, I don't know if I'm smart enough to get what was happening there. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, definitely there's people who, who are out there who like are super studied on yeah. on something and and make something like based on that but uh i think sometimes we forget that there's a much more um like emotional way to do experimental literature and even though it might look or feel like the more um rational for lack of a better word style um that it's uh that it is sort of like fluid and emotional. Like, um, I, f I feel like Burnin' Oceans is even like beyond poetry in that, <laughs> like, I mean, even though poems aren't always riddles to be solved, um, right. and are very rarely riddles to be solved. Like, um, I, f I feel like one of the, the biggest things that reading this reminded me of with regard to your writing is that like, there is the Mike Klein emotion that I feel when I read um, your writing. And there's, you know, other writers like that too, like B.R. Jaeger. Like, I feel the B.R. Jaeger emotion when I read some of his stuff. Um, that I think is like a, just a useful thing to feel, even if you're not completely... Um, like latching onto or, or comprehending uh, what the words on the page are or mean. Right. Right. Well, it, it's, I mean, what you said, the statement your wife made is exactly that's literally that's, that's the thesis of what I was talking about because I've had so many people say that to me after I've read something and I, I almost just want to hold their hand and say, it's okay. It's that that's because it's, there are some writers who write purposefully. So it seems inaccessible and whether there is a greater purpose to what they're writing um, is impossible to tell unless, you know, as your wife said, you're a well-read person. And that's their, that's, 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 that's their whole reason for existing. That's how they like to write. Whereas, you know, I sort of, I put myself in a weird predicament because yeah, for someone who, if this is someone's first time reading something I've ever written, you know, talking about burning oceans, it will seem that way. I, I, I completely can, I can see that. 
but unfortunately i also feel maybe this is not unfortunate maybe it is fortunate i and i'll tell this actually I, i'm going to tie this in with something i do a lot um but i think i feel like something like burning oceans or anything i write needs a preface that sort of gives some context where i literally and all it would be would be a just a two sentences saying look this is not as inaccessible as it seems i promise and then the second sentence sentence is just you know whatever you feel or think is correct that's it that would that, that and that would i think help a lot of people but at the same time i don't feel that that needs to be there because a lot of people don't like to be told how to read something and i completely get that as well um but something that i do is if i'm watching a film that you know either it's a film that a lot of people loved and it was years ago and i didn't get into it and i, I sort of want to get a sense of why people loved it i'll read a couple reviews and i'm not talking professional reviews i'll go on letterbox.com and read like five reviews from random people and you know usually there's going to be one or two elements that are common in all those reviews saying, oh, this one scene or this character or this accent they did. So I will, I will remember that and focus on that in addition to what I'm, I, whatever I grasp from the text or the movie, rather. Um, but there are other films that are considered classics. You brought up the Criterion Collection that, you know, I'll watch those with no context whatsoever, especially silent films, mm. not something I enjoy at all. But if you have the background knowledge of how a film was done or, the, I don't know, the, the, the advances that this film did for that type of genre, for what it did and what it didn't do, then you sort of, you appreciate it. You may not like it, but you appreciate it. I don't think there's such thing as a bad movie. If, if, if a film can be, if a script can be written and you can hire a whole crew of people to film it and write it and do the sound and the editing, the cinematography, and it gets released, that's an accomplishment right there. It's a movie. It's a good movie. Just because it got some, somewhere along the line, somebody or so, a lot of somebody's gave money for it to happen. Um, now, what you can do is look at a film and say, here's the reasons why, um, you know, there are issues with it. This is why it's not great at this aspect or this or that. But I don't think whenever someone says, I didn't like the movie, I, I don't or the, I didn't like the book, any type of media. I didn't like this. I don't think that's a valid statement because you cannot like something. But then please elaborate. Say why you feel you didn't like it. What could have made it better? Then it's then it's fine. But it's just a lot of people just stop it as I didn't like it. And then if you try to ask more, they say, oh, well, you know wasn't his or her best well okay well let's let's talk more about it and um it's just it's it's this is also another touchy su subject it's this idea that we're we've we've come to a point now where everyone can be an expert in whatever they want because there's skillshare if you want to pay for something you can watch you know people who are called professionals doing whatever they're doing and then you can watch them do these live and then you can learn from that um or you can go on YouTube and you can look up literally whatever you want and watch enough videos and then you can start doing that thing on your own. Or you can buy books or you can listen to audiobooks. You know, that all didn't exist not too long ago. Um, so everyone has an opinion about things. So you either get the people who are always telling you how they feel about something, whether you ask them or not, or you have the people who actually have valid discussions they want to have, but they feel like they're not smart enough to have those. They feel like they will sound dumb. And I'm just trying to remove all that. I just want everyone to be to feel as if they can say what they want to say because, again, and I sound like a broken record, everyone's opinion is valuable. Everyone's history is valuable. Everything that everyone's been exposed to is valuable because we need to have these discussions so we can all learn from each other. Yes, Wikipedia exists, but then I can go on any Wikipedia article and I can just delete the whole thing and write, you know, whatever I want. I can write, you know, Transformers is the best movie ever. And then that's what's going to be on there for 20 minutes. And somebody who doesn't know better will look at that and say, well, I guess that's what that's what green beans are, you know. Um, and that's a weird, weird example. But I'm just saying that you can't you can't really trust any of that. And this is maybe, you know, the whole idea of how stories used to be passed through oral tradition. You'd sit around something and have 
drink or food and someone would tell you a story and then you'd remember it and then tell other people and that's how it would get passed down. That's all being erased. It's all being removed. I want to try to bring that back, not necessarily by having people have conversations in real life, especially now with COVID, but um, releasing things like burning oceans and then having people feel like they should be able to talk about it and say, I didn't get 90% of it, but the 10% I got was this, 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 and that. What does everyone else think? And then others will jump in and say, well, I didn't get that, but I got this and that. And then it just creates a whole um, discussion. And that's not just about my text. One thing I feel is missing from a lot of journals online is they'll just post a story and there's no comment section or there's no forum to talk about it. Or people aren't even writing reviews about these. They just read it. They say, good job. Or they, you know, it gets the 45 likes and then tomorrow it's gone. Nobody remembers it was written. Some people are fine with that. I mean, for some people, it's just the fact that, you know, you wrote something and you were acknowledged and someone vouched for you and said, yes, this is good. We'll publish it, which is great. But I still think there needs to be that discussion because I know there are some people who, who want to do that, but they just are not able to because it's just this whole idea that these these are not throwaway products, but it's just it's it's a very fast cycle. Every day there's a new story, new story, new story, new story. And I just want everyone to slow down. Let's just, you know, let's let's take a step back and let's look at a story for a week. You know, let's look at it for 10 days and then talk about it. And then let's go to the next one in 10 days. And then like that, you know, let's keep that cycle going.